Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 14th of December, and my name is Helen Freer. U.S. equities rallied yesterday after the FOMC's decision to hold rates, with the Dow Jones closing at an all-time high. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with John T. Warris. And Norbert Rooker is on the show this morning as well. And after COP28 has come to an end, I'll be getting his latest thoughts on the takeaways from the conference. But first up is John T. with the market news. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Helen. So I've just mentioned it. Let's start with yesterday's big news. The US central bank held rates steady, which was in any case a done deal. Tell us more, Jonti. Yes, Helen. So in what was billed the most important Federal Reserve decision of the year, the FOMC yesterday left interest rates unchanged, as expected, in the range of five and a quarter to five and a half percent. This marks the highest level in 22 years. And in doing so, the Fed signaled that its interest rate hiking policy has come to an end and sees lower borrowing costs in 2024. So what this means is that the Fed has essentially sent its clearest signal yet that it is pivoting towards reversing the steepest interest rate hikes in a generation. And more importantly, in the bigger picture, Helen, it's managed to do this while keeping a lid on the surge in inflation and without triggering a recession or any real significant cost to employment. And markets were up in trading yesterday on the news of the FOMC announcement. Yes, the Dow Jones Industrial Average actually hit its first record closing high since January 22. And the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq also rallied more than 1% each yesterday. Uh, The S&P closed within 2% of its record high. All of the S&P's 11 sectors generated positive returns with utilities and real estate leading the pack. In fixed income markets, the yield on the interest rate sensitive two-year treasury was trading at around 4.7% before the news. It then dropped uh, sharply to around 4.45 on the news and was last lower at around 4.33 when I checked a moment ago. And the yield on the 10-year treasury fell below 4% for the first time since August. Now, there have been some moves in currencies following the Fed's hold in rates, and they're hinting at loosening monetary policy next year. And I see the Bloomberg dollar spot index fell for a third day. That's right. So the euro, pound sterling and the Swiss franc are all rallying ahead of their nation's respective central bank interest rate decisions today, uh, as the dollar continues to weaken after the Fed's pivot towards interest rate cuts next year. EURUSD is back above 109 and cable is up at around 126. The Aussie dollar advanced too on the back of stronger than expected unemployment data from down under. And dollar yen fell just below 141 before pairing the drop, but it still remains uh, under pressure at around 142. Okay. um, And do you have any other news to report out of Asia? Yes, so we saw Japan's core machinery orders unexpectedly rise in October, climbing for a second straight month, data showed today. But it remained down year on year as uncertainty about the global economy staved off companies' appetite for fresh investments. Elsewhere in Asia, China's economy likely lost some steam in November, raising expectations for Beijing to ramp up stimulus in the new year. Uh, Data due tomorrow out of China is expected to show that industrial output weakened from its October level and that the fall in real estate investment worsened further as the Chinese government's efforts to support growth have yet to take any real impact. Deflationary pressures remain a concern in China and are overshadowing the glimmer of hope seen in year-on-year retail sales growth. Okay, let's see then what comes out of China tomorrow. Um, And perhaps lastly, John John T, we have a busy calendar today. What can investors expect for the day ahead? 
That's right, Helen. Uh, busy is one way of putting it. In fact, interest rates are being set for 60% of the global economy within a 60-hour window. So after the Fed last night, we have the European Central Bank policy meeting followed by a media conference with Christine Lagarde later today. Expectations here are for a hold in rates at 4.5%. That said, markets have raised wages on the ECB cutting rates in one of the most aggressive easing cycles, and data also suggests a weaker economy. Also meeting this afternoon is the Bank of England, where expectations are for a hold also here at five and a quarter percent, with the Bank of England in a bit of a sticky situation. Uh, traders also see the Bank of England closer in line with the Fed and are betting on the first move coming in June. As a reminder, the UK economy shrank more than expected in October, and this comes as wage growth in the UK is slowing at its sharpest pace in almost two years. Finally, this morning, we also have the Swiss National Bank, which is expected to hold rates. Uh, The Swiss government said yesterday that it sees next year's inflation within the central bank's target range, and consumer prices are expected to grow at an annual 1.9% next year, in line with the previous forecast. Lastly, in terms of economic data we can expect today, most importantly, we will see US initial jobless claims, retail sales, and business inventory data later this afternoon. Companies expected to report sales or earnings include uh, French construction firm Vinci and Germany's MVV Energie. And the futures board shows that US equities are set for a positive open in the green later today in what looks set to be a promising day for stock markets. And that's it from me for today, Helen. Excellent. Thank you very much, John T, for the great roundup this morning. Thanks a lot for having me. Now, Norbert, good morning, firstly. Good to have you on the show this morning. Good morning, Helen. So COP28, the United Nations Climate Conference, concluded yesterday. Um, What were the key things being discussed? Well, first, there was the stock take, how it was called. So basically, the assessment on how much the countries uh, that signed the Paris Agreement are really aligned with the pledge to keep warming at 1.5 degrees. Then there was also... um, pledge signed by a lot of the signatories to triple renewable capacities, so basically to invest a lot into renewable energy by 2030. Um, something else interesting that stuck the headlines a bit, that hit the headlines, um, was the agreement by the large parts of the oil and gas business to basically curb and limit methane emissions also by the end of the decade. And then uh, very early on, uh, once the climate conference kicked off, there was the, um, the news that another fund uh, was established to really help compensate basically the poorer countries to deal with the effects of climate change. Okay, what are the relevant things then that investors would want to be aware of? Even though there was so much news flow and so much kind of headlines that came from COP, we really believe that there's not that much meaningful and tangible outcomes for investors to be aware of. And um, maybe a case in point is the uh, the final agreement, as usual, seems to be the habit, uh, was delayed um, because there was some intense negotiation. These intense negotiations were basically all about a sentence that says transitioning away from fossil fuels in energy system in a just, orderly, and equitable manner. I think for everyone else, it seems quite obvious that there's no reaching of uh, the or keeping the warming within 1.5 degrees if you do not phase out fossil fuels. But just the way that something like that, so obvious, requires such a great intense negotiation effort shows a bit how slow moving things are at such a broad United Nations conference. And to give another example, the pledge to triple renewable energy capacities, to be honest, is something rather that largely reflects 
what the expectations today already are. Uh, most of the um, projections, estimates on how the renewables business evolves, so basically the solar business, the wind business evolves, exactly involves this, that most likely from the beginning to the end of this decade, we're going to see a tripling of capacities there. And the other thing is the methane pledge, something very interesting coming from the oil and gas business. There, it is really the availability of new technology, basically it's satellites, satellites that help us monitor methane emissions, which forces this industry to take this uh, topic serious. How do we currently see the energy transition then? What are your views there? Well, that's a good point because the energy transition as a, as a theme in the economy, but also as a theme for investors, is really the key theme that reflects this shift of uh, the world towards a net zero world. And uh, while politics might believe that a climate conference sends really so strong signals to the markets, it seems fast rather that the markets and the business itself just listen to the hard fact economics. And to give an example, I mean, with the, the crisis that shocked the energy world in 2021, 2022, there was a big push towards coal simply because um, of these economic realities that energy was, for cyclical reasons, scarce. And by the way, this was the result of the Western world's consumption stimulus uh, to some extent. Um, this year, we actually see the opposite. So we see coal use in Europe dropping to multi-decade lows, and not because there was a new policy, simply because of the effect of the energy system had recovered, simply because the effect is a lot of energy now there, basically because of the constant investment into renewables that happened for economic reasons in Europe. So if you look at the involved businesses of the energy transition themes, so if you look at those that produce solar panels, electric cars, the thing is there for investors to watch that these are businesses where we see quite fierce competitive dynamics because the enter barriers are quite low and because there's so much investments going on and because it's the end is the economics of scale that uh, prevail. Uh, for example, in solar, we currently observe a sharp drop in prices. We observe margin erosion. We observe basically a consolidation phase. And this is all mirrored in the performance of this theme in stock markets. Um, we believe that this kind of dynamics uh, persist for a bit longer, exactly because there's been so much investment ongoing, and we stick overall to our neutral views, and we only see really selected opportunities in some company-specific cases. Okay, wonderful. Great to get your latest thoughts on this this morning, Norbert. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, then don't forget to do so. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be back talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.